0: joined, of course, uh, uh, as usual by uh, Hannah Bestwick and uh, Andrew Glester who's just managed to make it in good time for the studio with his cup of coffee. I've been here for ages and ages and ages. The magic of radio. I know, it's quite incredible. I didn't see you earlier though but, you know, obviously. He's here now. He's here now. This this very hot coffee in my hand is a
1: dead giveaway that Uh, I've literally just arrived.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have uh, uh, you with us as well um, uh, because otherwise there'd be a completely no point whatsoever to uh, doing this show. And we're looking at science in the news, science uh, behind the news. And um, well, I don't know guys how you've, how you've been. Have you had yourselves a, a good we've been offered, uh, this is a two-week break. We normally, we're normally every Monday, but we were off uh, last week because yeah, we took none a of. Yes, yeah, so we took a Monday off, which is very uh, unusual for us to do that. But uh, so, Hannah, anything exciting happened to you in that two weeks?
2: Oh, I. Uh, You've
0: always put me on the spot. Like this? Always, I, went, I, went, defini- I went to IKEA. It's always the definition of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, Ikea, <laughs> IKEA can be very exciting, it was especially great. when you can't find your way out.
2: Yeah, that's well. That's the whole point. That's the way that they design it. The way they do is to force you to walk. Past Past every single product so that you might see something that you want yes, yes. and that's the whole, whole point of making it a horrible maze but my, I went with a friend who was desperate to buy a giant uh, stuffed shark toy and we got that and that was nice
0: Giant just, stuffed yeah. shark toys—they they, just, uh, they just, are the thing of the moment. Uh, I, I I
1: can see that. I
2: don't know. I don't know. But he wanted it, so he's got it now.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, is that what they sell in IKEA? I mean, they sell enough.
2: a lot of things, but that was that was the reason we went.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And uh, Andrew, have you been uh, uh, indulging
1: in excitement? Um, I've been I've been doing some exciting chatting with some exciting scientists, which we'll ah. be hearing a, a oh a yes. snippet from later yes. in the show. a little bit but, later. On. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I discovered that the the difference between astro um, astronomy and yeah. Um, particle physics is getting smaller and smaller. Ah, oh, yes, I'm sure. I
0: thought you were going to say Wait. astrology for a moment. No, I didn't say that. That would be really interesting. I would
1: literally never say that. that. <laughs> I was going do to say mean, astrophysics. That's do
2: you mean that, that the diff- the the gap between them is getting smaller or smaller, or like the difference is that one of them's big things and one of them's small things, and that's why the difference is getting smaller?
1: I, what I mean is, it's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> like, I think what I mean is that they that they are becoming one and the same. Ah. That's cool. Or at least converging in part. Okay. I mean, one of the interesting things it, 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 to me
0: about about astronomy is is that more and more we are able, <laughs> this sounds odd, more and more we see less and less, in a sense, of the, the objects themselves. So you, you think, right, well, I'm looking at the moon, so I can see the moon. Yeah. You know, I can see further afield. We can see Jupiter with our telescopes and mm-hmm. you know, look at some of the features, and we send probes there and... They, but in deep, what, what you could call deep space, which I suspect is a term from science fiction rather <laughs> than from science, uh, but the further away you go from us, of course, we're guessing a lot about what we're hearing from radio waves and all of that kind of thing, aren't we? It's, it's more and more we're looking at equations and thinking, oh, yeah. if those equations work, then this is what must be going on in that body or in yeah. that black hole or whatever.
1: Yeah. For sure, but we get, obviously we have a, an awful... The big amount of uh, data based on the planets and and so on in our own solar system and yeah. we can you know, if you if you look at the the radio waves coming from uh, a, a distant star, then you might look at the spectral analysis of that and be able to tell, as a result of that, what was making up the the, the component parts of of that star and that solar system. Mm. Um, and then it, we can test that. You know, it is a guess up to a certain point, but we can test it by looking at the spectral analysis of things within our own solar system, and we get it right. You know, when we yeah. do when we do that analysis here, we get it right. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a it, it's um an educated Beyond most guesses, kind of guess.
0: Right. I like it. I like it. Nice. All right. Well that was a heavy duty start uh, yeah. to to the to the show. Well let's go something so we're talking about the moon just a oh, few yeah. moments ago. Um it said uh, uh, one of the stories I'm reading here is much excitement is being expressed in some social and traditional media about an upcoming lunar event that is being called Get this super blue blood moon eclipse. Oh wow, that sounds amazing! It does sound amazing, super and is it? Blood no. Moon <laughs> oh, no, so, well, so I not get to So see our this. first story today, folks, it's is, disappointment. It's like that thing, you know, earthquake in Chile, not many dead. Yeah, sort of thing. You know, not a very, not a very exciting headline. No. So it's a bit like that, isn't yeah.
1: it? It, it, it is it? What it and it isn't right. The thing is that all of those words, in a sense, are true. It yeah. is a super blue blood moon and that is rare, Yeah. but none of the things in themselves are particularly rare. The fact that they're all happening together is rare Mm. and uh, the really important thing to note Mm -hmm. is that it is not possible to see this from Bristol or the UK. Right. Where can you see it from? Well, you can see it from New Zealand, Australia, parts of the Pacific Ocean. Right, okay. So it's a southern southern hemisphere. Is there
0: enough time for
2: me to get there to see it tonight?
1: Well, let's... It's not tonight. It's the 31st of January. What it is... (laughs) What it is... Yeah, there is time to get there, but I wouldn't. Okay. Let me tell you why. Okay. Okay. So... The supermoon, Mm -hmm. what a supermoon is, is obviously as the moon goes around the earth, there are parts of its orbits where it's closer to the planet earth. And that's called a supermoon, which I believe is a term that comes from astrology, which in my humble opinion means nothing but what it's it, oh yes astrology astrology means nothing but that's just my humble opinion based on scientific <laughs> evidence and okay. do write in just to try. Andrew Glester <laughs> 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 but the the point is that the the moon at that point in its orbit as it will be on mm-hmm. the 31st of January is at its closest point to earth what that means is that it will be slightly bigger in the night sky yes and in the day sky but uh, the point really is that that amount of difference between how much bigger it is is barely perceptible at all to the human eye. Can, can we you not know, see it? You can see the moon.
2: I mean, yeah, I can see the moon, but can we not tell? Can you not tell the difference, like with the naked eye, or is it such that like people notice the difference because they know it's supposed to be bigger?
1: Well, if you look. Um, if you looked at the moon every day, every night, yeah. for, as, say, for example, I do, yes. then you might be able to tell that there was a slight difference. But only if you could compensate in your own mind for what we know as the moon illusion.
2: Yeah, where it looks closer. Okay, because there's nothing around it for you to judge the size, yeah. something like that?
1: Well, if, it, if, it, if the moon looks bigger to us when it 's down towards the horizon that 's called the moon illusion, okay. so that effect is m- far greater than the super moon effect right. that
0: you would see so this is the atmosphere <clears throat> magnifying
1: that's the- one, uh, that's one idea, but actually if you look if you hold up say for example, a five p piece yeah and um, compare it to the moon there yeah. and uh, if it's higher up in the sky on another night, you'll find that it's the same size. It's just your brain playing a trick oh, on you. Right. So, um, yeah, not it's bad. a funny old thing. Yeah. yeah. But you're more likely to see a big moon just by tricking your mind. Um, so Inter- su- the super moon bit, not that important. Quite interesting in, in terms of the orbit yeah. of the moon, but it won't make any difference when you look at it, really. Then there's the blue bit. Yeah. Now, a blue moon happens once in a blue moon, moon.
3: and yeah.
1: uh, uh what it means is <laughs> i'm <laughs> Not, sorry it no. just had have to, have to be there um <laughs> what it what it means is that you've had two full moons in one month and the only way you can do that it's is in one of,
2: calendar month yeah yes yeah
1: is they have one full moon on the first really or possibly the second day of the month mm-hmm. because it's 29 and a half days that the, it takes for the moon to go through its cycle so if it happens at the start of the month then it can happen again that's called a blue moon yeah, that's what that means. No particular. So significance. nothing
0: to do with its color at all.
1: Nothing to do with its color no. at all. So blue moon, you caught me standing alone. Yeah, you know that song. Yeah, that just means um, there was on the second full moon <laughs> of the month, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anyone with me. <laughs> Which is a lovely idea that's for a song. Good. It's more we
2: concise could, way of putting it. You know, I've got,
0: I've got a great idea. We could retranslate the, some popular songs. <laughs> that's not you bad. You know, idea. according to the findings <laughs> of science. And, <laughs> Just rip the
1: heart out of Yeah, just take all the poetry out of it
2: and let's just <laughs> scientify it,
1: I think. Totally. Um, and then finally, on the rare super blue blood moon, we have the word blood. And that just means, actually, if you go to the BCFM Twitter, BCFM uh, radio Twitter account, I've just yeah. retweeted a picture from Hannah Bell and Nell from two years ago here in Bristol with a blood moon. Uh, taken over the Clifton suspension bridge. bridge. Mm. Beautiful photograph. And what that means is that the the moon goes a kind of blood red, orangey red really, uh, because of uh, the position that it is. The Mm. sun travels through our atmosphere and the red-orange light is the only bit that gets through, isn't filtered out by our atmosphere and causes that red colour of the moon. That is incredibly beautiful.
0: Mm.
1: But it will happen again in Bristol. Don't travel to, to go and see it. You All won't right. see it on the 31st. What you will see any day or night that you so care to is the moon. And it doesn't need dressing up. It doesn't <laughs> need any special kind of announcement or special events. It is stunning. It is. Absolutely. And you're
2: wearing an appropriate shirt for a fanboy talking about. Like yes, oh, yeah. so it says. You're wearing it a says, moon shirt.
0: Yeah, it says on it. Twelve people have been. It's a review, isn't it? <laughs> of the moon. Yeah, yeah. Twelve people have been there. Four point two review, and uh, it says Neil Armstrong said it's too. There's too much grey.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is. I, we should probably tweet a picture of that as well, shouldn't we? We should. Yeah, have to do that. Let's yeah. Do that. In the next song, I don't
0: know. All right. (laughs) Well, let's. uh, um, We've got another another story I want to talk about before we uh, have some music, uh, which is a a story about crows. Uh, New Caledonian crows show how technology evolves. This is quite uh, an an interesting story because. um, uh, this, uh, uh, Vicky Gill has written this up for the BBC Tool-making crows have allowed us to see The first foundations of a technological breakthrough And apparently uh, they spontaneously We have talked about this uh, before on the show uh, a little bit um, That they spontaneously make hooks out of plant material Using them to fish for grubs and for spiders uh, Anna, you had a look at this story, didn't you?
2: Yeah, it's, it is really interesting Because it's we tend to think that that the animals that are most closely related to us are the ones that will um show the highest like intelligence or similar behaviors like tool use so we see chimps using tools to uh, break over open nuts and fruit or like to, to again fish grubs out of their burrows and we we tend to see that as as natural because they're most closely related to us and we're like well we we use tools so of course our closest relatives would as well but we can see it in in corvids, so crows and magpies and things like that also yeah. have similar behavior yeah. sometimes. But these crows have gone beyond just using a twig to uh, fish out grubs and things. They use a hook, which in, through this study they found is actually more more efficient. It gets the, gets the grubs out quicker, gets them fed faster, which is, I mean, why wouldn't you use a, a better tool? Yeah. And it gives us a really good way of looking at how how a technology... comes into use and like how uh, in a way that isn't specific to people so it gives us a non-human model of looking at how tools evolve and are used so that maybe we can understand them better in other animals other than just the crows because we started using hooks about uh, 23,000 years ago Mm. um, which is uh, somebody mentioned it's about a thousand generations so if you think that we began with hooks a thousand generations ago and now we're sending people to space <laughs> yes. like, that's that's huge huge progress in, just a in space exactly yes. i wonder if the crows are going to go to space but the yeah they think that <laughs> that they will potentially develop this technology further because they have taken a step to develop to making hooks so why why is there like there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to go another step and mm. that's really exciting to think about
0: yes it is and and uh, also they they find that I found this absolutely mind blowing that in different places, uh, crows will have a different design for the book. And so you can go to a place and say, "Oh yes, a, a crow from this particular area has been here yeah. because we found there we found the hooks that they make there." And
2: this is in the style of those crows and not the other ones. And
0: that's culture, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's, that's, that's real culture. That's so oh, a sort that's, of that's, yeah,
1: that is absolutely, absolutely amazing. amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, and what I would say though, just uh, just <clears throat> I do love it. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. But just on that point that they might one day go into space
2: (laughs) okay Um, let's come back to this yeah yeah
1: um well like crows used to be dinosaurs okay yeah in in evolutionary terms so they've had a really long run up at this Mm -hmm. they were dinosaurs (laughs) and then other stuff and then they've eventually so far not eventually let's not use that term in in evolution (laughs) um they are so far crows yes and we didn't have quite such a long run up at it I don't think in our evolutionary terms we came it's along. Sort of got going very quickly. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, ha, crows. Basically, <laughs> you have had a long time to get into space, and we're already there. <laughs> Just so, rub it in their so faces, take well, that, don't you? Crows. Look,
2: they make very nice hooks. Like, don't take that away from them. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, lovely, lovely hooks.
0: You're listening to uh, Love and Science on BCFM with me, uh, Andrew Glaster, and. Uh, Hannah Bestwick. And me, I am Malcolm Love. I should just say, I who, say who I am. Just assuming, me. assuming <laughs> everybody knows who know I am. Of course they know who you are. Of the
2: course. show's named after you. Of
0: course, yes. That's true. <laughs> Love and Science. Yes, yes. No, Love and Science is not actually my name. I know you think <laughs> <that>. <laughs> It's not. Um, so, Andrew, we, w- you were uh, saying at the beginning of the show that you've been uh, interviewing an interesting fellow. I have. uh, Bristol University, I
1: think. He is at Bristol University, yes, Professor Dave Newbold. He's Head of Particle Physics and Astronomy at the University of Bristol. And, uh, uh, well, to be honest, I was making the podcast for Physics World. Right. I, I make the podcast for Physics World. Okay, I've good. We've now. got that. Okay. Yep. And you're the uh, one behind the Physics World Podcast. That's, yes, I know wow. you, I you know you're all it? thinking I've heard his voice before somewhere. <laughs> it's the Physics World Podcast. That's where it is. And also the Cosmic Shed, but let's not go there. And um so <laughs> the January episode of the Physics World Podcast is about what is twenty eighteen going to do for us in terms of science. One of the things that's going to happen in 2018 is the Large Hadron Collider at CERN is going to be turned back on. So I spoke to Professor Dave Newbold, who is Head of Particle Physics and Astronomy, which I did say uh, does make me feel like it's two jobs, two completely (laughs) different jobs, but he soon put me right.
3: I'm Professor Dave Newbold at the University of Bristol, and uh, I've been working on LHC experiments for almost 20 years. Well, astronomy and particle physics both cover a lot of territory. Um, So some of my colleagues here, for instance, are looking at exoplanets, and that's nothing to do with particle physics uh, in any obvious way. Um, But cosmology and particle physics are rapidly heading towards being the same subject. So when we mention dark matter, why why do we even think dark matter exists? Um, Well, of course, the only evidence we have for this is is from observational astronomy, but more and more also from looking at the evolution of the universe as a whole. And in fact, uh, there's an interplay. The things we study at colliders um, on Earth can actually help us to understand the early universe in a direct way, because we're reproducing the energy conditions that existed in the early universe. So this mission to understand that the basic laws of physics on a microscopic level is not different to the mission to understand the universe as a whole on the extreme scales which exist out there. It's the same subject. really. Right? Physics that you see every day around you, and perhaps even in the undergraduate laboratory hasn't changed, but we've certainly changed our understanding of how the universe works. Uh, And to some extent, you know, the LHC has two missions, and the first mission was to confirm the existence of the Higgs boson, and that's in some sense physics that was understood in back in the 1960s, but, but it hasn't been confirmed until now. So if you imagine this as the last piece in the physics jigsaw, you know, we now have a lovely picture where everything fits together. The things that Higgs and his collaborators uh, did in the 1960s are confirmed and so on. And The only slight problem is we know that at some point all of that stops working. Our mathematical description of nature is just just nonsense mm-hmm. right, at some profound level. So so now the really exciting stuff starts. So. Whereas the LHC was a sort of confirmation exercise before, now we're really heading into the unknown. So you're probably going to ask me, what is going to happen at the LHC next year? And the answer is, I have no idea. (laughs) None at all. Because it's a discovery machine, uh, and there are many, many possibilities. There are many ideas about what kind of new physics might exist. Um, For instance, whether we can explain dark matter. But actually we have no more idea than anybody else which of those ideas is correct, or none of them, or yeah. more than one of them, and we're going to find out. So we're really now experimenting in, the, in the, uh, the fullest sense of the word.
1: You're literally just going to fire particles at each other and see what happens?
3: We're going to fire particles at each other and see what happens. There's, there's slightly more to it than that. Um, but more or less, yeah. and and. Doing experiments at the LHC is a difficult business because what you're looking for are statistical signatures of new physics. So there's no one collision that's going to tell you anything on its own. What you have to do is amass a huge amount of data. People talk about big data, this this is really big. And then you have to look at the properties of collections of these collisions. So this is why it takes so long. So uh, by the time we get to the end of this run of the LHC, we will be putting together data from two, three, four, five years all together and analyzing the whole selection of data. And that gives us more and more sensitivity every year to the things we're looking for. But it's not a discovery that's going to get made overnight.
1: Is it being turned back on at the same kind of energy that it was before?
3: Yep. So at the moment we're in what we call physics production mode, which sounds boring, but actually it's kind of scary in many ways. Um, So the emphasis at the moment is not to keep pushing up the energy or the intensity of the LHC, um, but instead to ensure stable running. So we want the maximum number of collisions per year for the reasons I've, I've described, which is that everything is based on statistics. So what's been happening over the winter shutdown is that there have been no radical changes made to the accelerator, no radical changes made to the experiments, but we've improved everything. It's small tweaks, it's about maintenance, it's about making sure everything operates correctly, because this is the most complicated machine in the world. It seems simple when you see it on the television, but actually it's, it's amazingly complicated. Everything has to work.
1: Now, there are different experiments going on there. There's CMS, there's Atlas, there's, there's others. Why are there those different experiments?
3: Well, CMS and Atlas um, Largely do the same science, but the detectors are radically different in in design. And you have to remember, when we first built this uh, accelerator and the detectors, we really didn't know what was going to happen. It was as much of a surprise to us that we discovered the Higgs quickly as it was to everybody else. So we needed two independent ways of looking at the same measurements. And if you remember, one of the spectacular things that happened back in 2012 was that we walked into a room and said, "Here's the results." and Atlas said we've discovered a Higgs boson and CMS said we've discovered a Higgs boson (laughs) and only two or three people in the world at that point knew that both experiments were going to say the same thing So this idea of independent confirmation uh, you you really have to do this Um, it's also of course an insurance uh, policy But if one experiment isn't functioning as well as it can do you always have the other so the money you've put into the accelerator is not wasted and then of course um, there are other experiments which are specialized for doing completely different kind of measurements Um, i'll talk about lhcb there are many others as well lhcb actually uh, doesn't surround the collision point like cms and atlas do it looks at particles which sort of scattered forward um, and that allows them to do physics with particles called b quarks uh, which we don't really have so much access to in cms and atlas now if you ask a particle physicist where the exciting things in 2017 were they didn't come from cms or atlas in fact they came from lhcv where there are all sorts of hints of new physics nothing confirmed yet but lots of exciting studies going on So we're doing uh, the same physics, looking at the same goals, trying to identify how the universe works, what dark matter is, what physics might be the understanding model. But we're using different approaches in the different experiments. And that, that's, that's how you guarantee success. Okay.
1: So if I asked you what you'd like to see in 2018,
3: you'd say some of that exciting new physics. Absolutely. I, I'd like to see. Um, I think it's unlikely in 2018 we're going to make a revolutionary discovery um, because one has to build up the evidence for these things. It's not going to happen overnight. But 2018 could be the year where we start to see real concrete hints of something which either has been predicted and is beyond the standard model or is completely unexpected and they could come from anywhere there are hundreds of different analyses going on in these experiments yeah. and you've no idea which one is going to pop up next and give you something interesting yeah. uh, we're looking in all the nooks and crannies now so i think 2018 uh, certainly towards the end of this year have a look at what's coming out at the conferences could be some exciting new results
1: what would you if there's something that you'd like to see confirmed something that's kind of You've looked at the data, you've, you've, you've had a look and you think, well, that would be really interesting.
3: I think the thing everybody is waiting for is the discovery of dark matter um, in the laboratory. Um, it, we have a very good understanding now of how dark matter behaves at the, uh, the level of galaxy of the universe as a whole. A lot of that, of course, is through computer simulations because you can't see dark matter. That's why it's dark. <laughs> um, but we know it's there, or we know that something that behaves like dark matter is there. And This is one of those times in history where there's, there's a conflict in science. So we know from astronomy that dark matter is there, but we know, based on its properties, it cannot fit into the standard model of particle physics. So three quarters of the material content of the universe doesn't actually fit into the theory we're claiming is perfect and works wonderfully. So that's an interesting situation to be in. And uh, at some point, either at the LHC or perhaps in a different kind of experiment, one of his deep underground experiments, we're going to see evidence of dark matter on Earth. And that will be a real scientific breakthrough.
0: That's a really really strange idea, isn't it? Three three quarters of the universe is that what he said? Did uh, I get that?
1: Did it, I, my, mi- I, I? My understanding is it's something. Uh, oh, well, there I am. There you my, go. Uh, my understanding is it's, it's something close to about ninety-six percent. Really? It's dark matter. What, what we my, don't know. About. My goodness. So. Um, that
0: that's absolutely extraordinary isn't it and of, of course, scientists are spending a, a huge uh, some scientists are spending you know all their time trying to understand what dark matter could be, whether yeah. it really exists, yeah. if it exists, where it is yeah. you know,
1: and so on. It' be amazing if we could actually find it by one of these experiments there's, lo- there's quite a few experiments looking into it obviously they're looking into it at cern there's, mm. there's things under the mountains in Italy' You're know, trying to uh, discover it there and so on. It's just I, that is going to be the next big. Uh, so, obviously, whoever does that, mm. that's, yeah. uh, that's Nobel Prize material. That's right? big yeah. deal, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So, if it, without getting too technical, um, my understanding of this is... Because is, I won't be able to get too technical. Mm. You guys might. <laughs> um, uh, uh, my, my understanding of this is, is that uh, when you do the sums, uh, the galaxies and, and uh,
1: uh,
0: other astral bodies are not doing, not behaving in the way that they should. And so in order to account for the strangeness in behavior, because it doesn't fit the equations,
4: mm.
0: scientists and physicists are saying, well, uh, it must be there's something out there that we can't see. Yes. So we call this dark matter. Yeah. Imagine. No one's ever seen it no. uh, and, and, and so on. Yeah. And, and um, it, it's, it's not only a factor, it's an enormous factor in how the, how the universe
1: works. Yeah, no, it really is. Just to be clear, when I do the sums, none of it works, but the, <laughs> when the scientists do the sums, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, the, our theories of gravity work incredibly well. We can predict the motion of planets, and etc. Cetera, et cetera, but the way that galaxies work, if you extrapolate it out to that, that kind of level, then there are differences, and, and, and it is this idea of dark matter and dark energy. But just to be clear, uh, those things, they're called dark matter and dark energy because we don't know what they are. You might as well call them Ian and Dave. Okay. They just, right. Yeah. Like, it says
2: nothing
0: I'm about the qualities. I'm
1: yeah. yeah. fairly
2: sure up until perhaps this point um, that I thought dark matter was just things, astral bodies, that for some reason we couldn't see. Okay. So I don't. I absolutely like have holes? no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Something like that. That just for some reason we can't see them because I don't know. They don't reflect light or something yes. like that.
1: Okay. No, that's. I, I feel thing. like that's
2: wrong. Yeah. No, that is wrong. That's okay. a
1: different thing, completely. Yeah. No. It's it, it's a it, it's a description of what makes the equations work, and. We don't know what that could be, what that matter is. Okay. So there is, you need to put 96%, let's say, of the matter back into the equation to make the equations work. Mm. And uh, that sounds so crazy, doesn't it? And I bet there's people yeah. listening going, well, that's because scientists don't know anything. And it's not oh. that at all. It's not that at all. I just don't know
2: that one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Everything else makes sense up to that point. It up doesn't mean so we throw it all out the window just because. Just keep trying. <laughs> we
0: are uh trying to talk about science in the news and science behind it. I think we're having quite a good stab at it, but uh, <laughs> the only the only regret is of course that uh, we can't cover cover all the the stories that uh, are either in the news or should be in the news to do with science. Um I I we some time ago we Used to do an item called "Explain This." We never stopped doing the item. It's just that it, it, it kind of naturally we uh, uh, let it slide a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I want to revive it because uh, someone contacted me uh, in the week, and uh, uh, someone called Fern that I don't know, and she said that she's got a little bit of a problem with evolution. And could we explain this? And I took a deep breath and I thought, what's this going to be? And and uh, because there, you know, there's so much to say uh, about evolutionary science but what she said is this what I'm confused about is this surely either an eye works or it doesn't work Mm. so like a computer mouse Mm -hmm. uh, if all the bits aren't there it won't work if you take a component out it doesn't work, so how on earth does something like that evolve little by little into a, a working eye so I'm going to put this to Hannah because uh, you're a sort of biological type
2: yeah, it has been quite quite a number of years since i did <laughs> did biology um, at uni but i will I will give it a go okay um, it's it's sort of isn't the case that it either does or it doesn't work um and i would kind of put that down to the fact that there's lots of different stages in the evolution of eyes that we can see where it's you know not a full eye as we know it today not a full camera eye like we have or a compound eye like insects have there's early stages which are we would class as like a, just a photosensitive patch, a little piece of skin with cells that respond to light, that give the animal the ability to um, tell whether or not it's day or night, or if even let's say what something. Di- what
0: direction to go in? Yeah, for it doesn't.
2: Example. It doesn't show it yeah. even necessarily what direction it is. Mm-hmm. Very early on, it'll just tell it if there's shade, mm-hmm. which can be useful if, say, you are um, a small organism living at the bottom of the ocean, and you'll learn that when it goes. Dark suddenly for a second, that's something swimming over you that could be a predator, Mm. which could give you an indication to uh, burrow away.
0: Yeah, or or your bus has come.
2: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) something like that. Yeah, and um, then you have other stages where the uh, that we can see through the fossil record where the eye does change slightly, bit by bit. Still not the eye that we know today, and it might look like it wouldn't work, but it does serve a function. Of an, uh, of an eye to that, that mm. um, organism. So you can get sort of the next stage up from just a patch of photosensitive um, cells. It's like a concave, like a cup that's covered in photosensitive cells. And what that does is it means you can, you can point at things and know whether or not that way, that way is dark or that way is light so you'd know the difference between going out into the open as opposed to going under a rock and that's the kind of thing that you get there and so actually it doesn't it isn't the case that necessarily the eye um, either works or it doesn't it's that there's lots there's lots of different stages that it does work. So there's lots of different ways that it can work.
0: Mm. And, and so then after that, after you've got a structure that can detect light, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a refri- refinement perhaps. Yeah,
2: and we can it, it is, yeah, it's a refinement. So you get the first stage which is developing the way to tell light from dark Yeah. and then we see through the record, fossil record, different versions of that different styles of that that have been tried out some of them have been left behind in fossil record, like the fossil record because they haven't been carried on because they're not efficient mm. so in that case that one didn't work but um it was tried by one species um and we see it moving towards what we know today by trial and error basically yeah and it's it is a really beautiful process by the way if you want to have a look at like videos and things of this on youtube it's really interesting yeah
0: um and it's quite interesting as well isn't it that that uh, eyes have have developed uh, in in, at different times, in different
1: mm, ways. About,
2: I think, uh, around 50 to 100 times independently.
0: Yeah.
2: A, a kind of I has arisen in, like, um, evolution.
1: On this planet. On the,
2: on, this, on planet, this planet, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, Andrew. Yeah.
0: Who knows what's going yeah. on elsewhere. And it's, yeah.
2: you know, we do even...
0: And, uh, sorry, if I can just yeah. interrupt here, I think it's quite important to say as well that essentially the, the idea of evolution is it's a series of mistakes. Yeah. That most, you have little changes in an organism. Yeah. And most of those are disastrous.
2: Oh, yeah, huge amounts. Of and, and, and a and... few
0: of them work out really well. So, mm. so, say the temperature goes up, or the water you live in is a bit more salty, mm-hmm. or a plant species dies out. And, and, and there will be changes in an organism, mm-hmm. most of which don't help you, but some do. Yeah. And those who've got advantageous changes, yeah. mutations as yeah. we call them, will get uh, stronger yeah uh, and better they they 'll have more offspring and they 'll thrive in that environment
2: because they 'll be slightly better adapted to using that yeah. that, that they 've just got the eye yeah. so the variation in a species is really important to that process where you know there'll be a, a huge range of uh, types of eyes let's say in um, in a species, and many of them won 't work, and so the ones that have a good version will be able to carry on and have offspring for the next generation and it's still there's always variation some people um have things like a detached retina when they're born and um some people even like at this like now won't have eyes that work in the same way as other people's eyes or might have like partial sightedness or blindness and that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that the eye 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 hasn't evolved because it doesn't work sometimes it means that it's still potentially evolving
0: yeah and some people, of course, will have X-ray vision. Oh no! I just made that up. No,
1: well, no, not you didn't. I make don't. It up. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's like
2: if that's a very good explanation. I've, no. feel, I've been kind of put on the spot. I'm happy to like do some research no, and come back good. with a no. better idea. No, no, no. I think but that's like, a
0: really and that's a really good explanation because um, you know we, we we we're not saying you're an expert on evolution or anything like mm. that. But that, that really does help because you know more uh, than Andrew and I do, which isn't uh, okay. isn't uh, very uh, difficult cool. uh, about uh, about. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, (laughs) about such that's one of the
1: things i always find because i try and explain evolution to to my daughter quite a lot and it's yeah it's really really hard to explain but Mm. also because i think the language that we have to describe it is misleading like you like you were saying um it's been tried and it hasn't been tried no it's it's not
2: they didn't like put on a different hat one day and say like oh this one's better at hiding it's just that some, some are born with a different kind of eye that doesn't work very well, maybe. Yeah. And like that, you're right that the language is what makes it difficult and um, to explain in a lot of circumstances.
1: Yeah. I, d- I also tried and explained, I mean, I, it, Lyra's six, okay? And it, yeah. it, it, trying to get the timescales involved to a six-year-old is quite difficult. Mm. But I've tried this the other day. I don't know if it's worked. But if, if you put a dot on a piece of paper every day mm-hmm. and you did that every day for a year, then those dots become something. They come through, it becomes 365 dots. Yeah. Obviously, and I was—I'm trying to use that to explain to her how, mm. over a long time, mm. that changes might happen that were dramatic, yes. but that at the time just seemed minute. Yeah. I, I think
0: one of the interesting ideas, because a lot, a lot, of people uh, get the impression that uh, evolution is going somewhere. Mm. So it's got—it's got, it's like oh,
2: like it has a final destination. It, it has a purpose, yeah. you know. And, and
0: of course, it, 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 it doesn't. It's just uh, whether or not you can adapt to your environment. Yeah. Yeah, and the environment changes fairly randomly. Right, well, let's move on to... uh, Thank you very much for that, Hannah. And we're just going to go on to uh, talk about uh, space graffiti. This is a scary subject, isn't (laughs) it? Space graffiti. Astronomers are angry over the launch of a fake uh, star into the sky. Giant disco ball dubbed the humanity star has been launched by startup Rocket Lab Mm -hmm. and it will interfere with scientific study of the universe according to uh, experts it says, inverted commas I don't know who these experts are, but anyway do do we like the idea of a uh, of, of a star,
2: Absolutely uh, an artificial not. star in space? Absolutely not. They, they profess that it's going to be the brightest thing in the star for about nine months before it re-enters. And I just, I just feel quite upset about that. I like the stars that are there already in the yeah. way that they are. And to, to secretly launch this huge thing that's going to, to obscure the other objects in the sky, I think it's quite, to me... Seems yes. quite self-interested, and not to have taken into the consideration into consideration other people's needs, like astronomers who need no light pollution, yes. and this or, is going to be or just like-
0: people. Yeah, who (laughs) likes to look at the stars and don't want to... Yes. Yeah, indeed. uh, So, Andrew, I take it you're not an enthusiast. Yeah, let's hear your your
1: input. Uh, Okay, I'm going to be slightly controversial. All right. So, I I mean, it's called space graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. I would call it space art, perhaps. Oh. Uh, And street art, mm. I like. Graffiti, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Um, Okay,
2: yeah, I see the distinction. And
1: I I don't know where I sit on it, to be Mm -hmm. honest. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, that's gorgeous. That's really lovely. I'm going to go out into my garden i'm going to take my route. We're gonna have a look at this amazing thing in the sky and then i thought hang on a second do we need that and then i thought well yeah some people do because some people don't ordinarily look up at the night sky and, yeah. and see its majesty so if it draws more people up to the night sky then i can kind of see the argument but then i thought okay but it's light pollution mm. and then i thought well so is turning on your light yeah so you know, any time you do something that requires light, you're interfering with astronomy. This guy's doing something which is promoting astronomy, which is interfering with astronomy. I don't know where I stand, but what I would say is that I have a plan to mm. interview this man this week. Okay, excellent. I will put your concerns to him. Okay. And ideally, if he'll still speak to me, <laughs> then uh, we'll we'll have him on the show next week. And th- and this oh, is
0: no, the no, uh, just and really this is the the rocket lab founder Peter Beck. Is this yeah. the- The chap that you're going to be found, who's uh, who's labelled this as an almost unprecedented
1: step in commercial space exploration. Yeah. I I think where I've landed, so to speak, is that I I think it's really brilliant as long as nobody else does it ever again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have just been nice to have a little bit more other input into like whether or not to do it. Rather than doing it in secret and then now it's just there.
0: Yes. It's the sort of thing you think a world government should rule on, but (laughs) uh, there we go. United Nations, maybe. Uh, Well, we're joined now, um, as usual, by the excellent John Ford. Welcome. Hot from his uh, film production. And... um, Hi there, John. What film's that then? Well, you know, the old John Ford movies, yeah. You know, oh, you know, right. like that old tired joke that I come out with almost oh, right, the yeah. other oh, week. I've not heard that for oh, yes. years now. <laughs> very no. funny. And of course, three <laughs> yes. four well, probably ninety-five percent of the audience have no idea what I'm talking
4: about. Nor a Ford Prefect. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. you I missed you... you guys last week. Yes. No. Indeed. I did my best to do some science. Oh, oh thank did you. You. on on my show after four o'clock last week, yeah. Oh. I think I felt miserably, but I did my best. <laughs> are,
0: you, are you a big fan of having uh, lights in the sky, artificial lights in the sky?
4: Um, interesting um, uh, conversation, but no. I mean, no. why would you want anything artificial anyway? Yeah. Anywhere, so uh, no is the answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. No, leave it as it is, yeah. Apparently Coca-Cola
0: were yeah. were debating the idea of putting a... A, a, a satellite up,
1: which basically flash... Oh, Coca Cola.
0: Yeah, can you imagine? It makes
2: me really sad. It's I, uh, really like dystopian. Yeah. Stuff. Just to
1: be clear, I'm very decided on that
2: one. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah. quite yeah. clear. Well, you, you could have one sort of advertising a Cosmic Shed podcast. Hey, that? That's right. not a bad
1: idea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yes. Anyone so, got any rockets?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting show today, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Is there a- Anything you think we left out? Uh, well, the planets are aligned because uh, no, you didn't leave anything out at all. Um, only that. Um, I've got loads of facts here. I might leave these after, for after four o'clock. It's just that uh, this morning um, my wife had cleared out the cupboards of uh, old um, that was my phone. I apologize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of, of old um, sort of crackers and biscuits and pretzels and stuff oh, yeah. that we oh, had yeah. left over from Christmas. Oh, yeah. Put yeah. them out for the birds and the crows came a-swooping oh, no. and there was a nice. robin on a. I've had a, a huge conifer taken out last mm. summer and I've left about three feet high of tree trunks I was going to sculpture it with my chainsaw into something but I've not got around to it. So It's yeah. just level on the top. So i put all these these things on the top, it's, it's about, what, two and a half, three feet in oh, diameter, wow. it's a big, big yeah. job, yeah. right, and uh, I put these things on the top, and uh, all these crows came down onto the ground, but there was a <laughs> robin on the top, pecking away at these things, and I noticed the crows cleverly corralling uh, the the robin if you like right. and they were surrounding this thing the oh, robin saw them it flew off and then they all hopped on in unison onto this thing so they're being very clever they didn't yes. need a little dough hook thing to uh <laughs> <laughs> to scare to him get off the biscuits or anything no, they just like bullied that. him. <laughs> interesting conversation you we were having earlier but I, know, I did see that on the tv that was that was very very good yeah. and um uh, and over the weekend uh, i had some black pudding And uh, and I don't often have black pudding We had some in the freezer So I got it out And uh, I was driving here Listening to the show On the way in And and thinking about the (laughs) black pudding I was And then you started talking about Dark Matter (laughs) (laughs) There we go Yeah Well, so, we, uh, yeah, the I, planets we're
0: aligned to do. <laughs> I've got a quick crow story. I, I was walking across the Downs yesterday yeah. and I saw a couple go and sit on a bench and a load of crows gradually, very slowly and gradually, I could see starting to gather around them. Yeah, and it just looked like a scene out of the
4: birds. And you and I have a certain age. We've got crows. <laughs> <laughs> we? All right. And where does the expression stone the crows come from? No idea. I have no idea. I'm going to find out and let you know after four. Okay. Excellent.
0: Okay. Well, that'll be good. Well, don't forget to stay tuned uh, for Getting Bristol Home with John Ford after the news. And it's time for me to say it's been a great pleasure to have your company, as always. And uh, so it's uh, a goodbye from me and from Hannah and from Andrew. Don't forget to join us for the show again uh, next week for some more science in the news and science behind the news. Have yourselves a very good evening and Stay with John uh, for getting Bristol home.